Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in, I sure do appreciate you joining me. Give me a little bit of your time. I hope you're able to enjoy this Christmas season, and I hope that there's a little bit of the peace beyond understanding that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ, that is part of your life each day, at least for just a few minutes, if nothing else, folks. We're going to take one of our little walks, one kitty cat has decided to come out. <laughs> Not sure that she's going to stay, but for those of y'all that continue as always to share the podcast with others, tell others about it. Thank you so much. For those of y'all that are supporting the podcast over on Patreon financially, I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I will do the best I can to use your time, or try to do the best I can to use your time wisely. Oh, here comes a three-legged wolf. He's going to lead us out on patrol. Put some firewood up today. It is supposed to turn off colder, to say the least, over the next few days. So, we'll see. See if we can keep the... Uh, old wood stove burning. Yeah, I almost went into one of my little pet peeves there about wood stoves, but maybe for another time. Maybe another time. So we're going to go back to Eisenhower again. I'm going to see if I can do a little bit better job of clock time management. This is from 1954. Remarks at the Pageant of Peace Ceremonies, December 17th, actually. Broadcast over radio and television at 5.30 p.m. Mr. Secretary and members of this audience, my fellow citizens at home and across the seas, my fellow men and women of all the Americas and of all nations, Christmastide is a season of hope, of heartening, hope, for peace on earth, goodwill among men. This year, even as 2,000 years ago, when the Prince of Peace was born into the world, the drums of war are stilled. In their silence, after a whole generation of almost ceaseless beating, many people already become fathers and mothers, enjoy the first peaceful Christmas they have known. So mankind's unquenchable hope for peace burns brighter than for many years. I can't help but mention here, folks, because I do think we have a fight coming, that it's important to realize President Eisenhower's words, what they really meant there for a lot of these people between World War I and 
what they call the, or what you can call the little small wars, the in between, and then World War II, and then Korea, and now still in the Cold War, even though it wasn't active, really. A lot of these people had known war off and on for decades. Horrible war. War that was constantly at the level and pitch that we saw rarely in Iraq and Afghanistan. The numbers lost there, both in military and civilian, dwarf anything we saw over the last 20 years. And so these people had a deep understanding of war, of the horrors of war, not just the people who fought it, but the families who were left behind. And they also, therefore, I have to assume here, had a much deeper appreciation for peace than we do today because we seem to be risking it so willingly in the United States because if we really had a true fear of war a large percentage of the citizens in America would not be making the decisions that they're making on a day-to-day basis to support evil but we have lived as my wife tells my daughters at times, a charmed life for so long. It's almost as if we're inventing ways to lose that peace. But these people, so mankind's unquenchable hope for peace burns brighter than for many years. This hope that Christ brought that the Prince of Peace brings. Our hope, true enough, is blemished by some brutal facts. Oppression, privation, cruel suffering of body and mind imposed on helpless victims. These scourges still wound in too many places the daily living of mankind. Even at this happy season, we dare not forget crimes against justice, denial of mercy, violation of human dignity. To forget is to condone and to provoke new outrage. You know, there's something right there that's really poignant. And that is to condone is to provoke new outrage. And we've done that here, folks, in the United States over the last several decades. Really, you could go back like we talk about so often to the 1947 Supreme Court decision of separation church and state. But every time those core values, those core evil values that so many of our citizens demand to support, whether you're talking about rejection of God, abortion, feminism, LGBTQ lifestyles, illegal immigration, socialism, communism, bigotry, critical race theory, revisionist history, all of these things. Every time we condone them and we don't 
stand up and haven't, I should say, past tense. Every time we have condoned them and we've pretended that we're being tolerant or we're being open-minded or we're just trying to say, well, I'm not a bigot. It's not loving. It's not kind. It's not tolerant. It's not open-minded. It's it's just cowardice. And every time we do it, every time we've done it, we've accepted some new, provoked some new outrage. How do you think we ended up now with men demanding the right to compete in sports as women? And that's the least of 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 the outrageous folks. It's really shameful that it's taken us getting to that point that that's the thing of all those that I just listed that we're most outraged about the possibility of losing women's sports. Not not slaughtering babies, not feminism destroying men and women's relationships, marriage and the home, uh, the destruction of the family unit, not the flooding of millions of criminals and terrorists across the border, not the promotion of socialism and communism responsible for the slaughter of tens of millions, hundreds of millions in the last century. None of these things are we, it's taken this, this, and this is just one example off the top of my head right now, folks, you can tell because the thoughts are all coming faster than I can put words together. But it's, it really is condemning of us that that we waited until now for many of us to get so outraged. And so every time we've condoned it, and maybe it's not us, maybe you say, well, I didn't do that. I wasn't alive six decades ago, or I wasn't a voting age or an adult that knew what was going on four decades ago, three decades ago. Fair enough. But we are now. And what do we do? What do we do? And you say, well, what do you suggest? How many letters have you or I written to senators or congressmen? How many hours have we spent talking to others about instead of the football game on Friday night, which I'm guilty of, but you pick your poison, you know, the latest thing on Amazon, the latest movie or TV series, Yellowstone, right? I hear a lot of people talk about that or the latest book series or, or whatever, whatever, it is, or, you know, or the latest hunting rifle or a new set of clubs for golf or, or whatever it is, the, the new vacation spot that you're going to go check out. You pick your poison. But how many of us have taken the time to sit and talk with others about that? Much less more time because it's more important, but even the same amount of time. You get the idea. Neither dare we forget our blessings. <laughs> to count them is to gain new courage and new strength. A firmer patience under test and a stouter faith in the decency of man and in the providence of God. You know, all of those we read so often throughout the year, All a lot of these uh, from presidents, these proclamations that we read in November especially talk about God's providence and how often do we count those blessings, really count our blessings like electricity, running water, heat, right? Or AC in the summer if you're in one of those warm areas. Uh, a Christmas tree with lights on it, food on the table, clean water to drink, healthy children, healthy spouse, healthy parents, cars that run, Tractors that run if you live out in the country. Tools, etc., etc. The list is so long. How often do we really stop and say thank you? 
for a dirt road to walk down and people that listen to a podcast. Among the greatest of man's blessings this Christmas is his strength and hope of lasting peace. But hope without works is the prelude to disillusionment. They whose cause is just must be prepared to meet the harsh challenge of inertia, privation, despair, statism, materialism. This bright Christmas must not be followed ever by a Christmas of universal tragedy. So for those of y'all, if you're not real familiar, uh, hope without works is kind of like faith without works. I think maybe, I'm not sure he was referring to that, but New Testament they talk. It's, it's impossible to have faith really without works that back that faith up. My pastor says it so well. I love this analogy. He says, if you think it's going to rain, you take an umbrella. If you really think it's going to rain, if you really believe that, you take an umbrella. You know, if you really love your, if you really love God, you spend time with him. And as Jesus said, you follow his commands. Doesn't mean you always enjoy it, but you do. And you get to the point where the enjoyment comes, I think, I hope, as I struggle along this path. If you really love your spouse, you actually love them, not just with words although that can certainly be part of it, but with actions that show them each day, not once a month, once a week, each day that they're your priority. And if you don't, then you don't. We Americans know that a mighty part of promoting and serving peace is ours to do. With our friends, we must enlarge the design of our partnership so that we who marched together in evil days when war and fear of war darkened the earth, shall enjoy together in days of light the rich rewards of a secure and stable era. I just, that strikes me, who marched together in evil days when war and fear of war darkened the earth. Probably a pretty good chunk of that coming in America. There are some who have believed it possible to hold themselves aloof from today's worldwide struggle between those who uphold government based upon human freedom and dignity and those who consider man merely a pawn of the state. The times are so critical and the difference between these world systems so vital and vast that grave doubt is cast upon the validity of neutralistic argument. Yet we shall continue faithfully to demonstrate our complete respect for the right of self-decision by these neutrals. Moreover, because they hate aggression and condemn war for conquest, even as we, there is provided a strong foundation upon which we can proceed with them to build mutual understanding and sympathy. Folks, that's so, such a vital little point here. It's not a little point, but kind of snuck in. You know, isolationism brought us World War II. This idea today that we've practiced really particularly over the last decade, that we can walk away from the Muslim nations and the terrorism that they breed, because because that ideology does breed it, folks. Even if not all Muslims are terrorists, which is a true statement, that ideology breeds it. 
to think that we can disengage and walk away has already been shown futile, ignorant at best. Look at what has already taken place once we stepped out of Afghanistan. This, this isolationist mentality like that we can just sit back and not do anything. And it's, it's even probably more, more important here at home. This idea that we can step back and live and let live, you know, and if you want to support these evil values of the left over here, as long as you just do it on your own, then that's good. We're good. But evil never stays contained, folks. It never stays contained. You can never turn a blind eye to evil and not have consequences and repercussions. And, And that's why, you know, he talks here, Eisenhower, about this grave doubt is cast upon the validity of neutralistic argument. Well, I'll just stay neutral. No, no, you won't. Now, with those who stand against us in fear or in ignorance of our intentions, we have chosen the hard way of patient, tireless search in every avenue that may lead to their better understanding of our peaceful purposes. They know as well as we, that the world is large enough, the skills of man great enough, to feed and to clothe and to house mankind in plenty and in peace. This universal knowledge could be the fruitful beginning of a prosperous life together. Little bit there for the people that are alarmists about too many overpopulation. We're not going to, we're, we're not going to overpopulate folks. And, and he talks about that right there. There is plenty to feed and to clothe and to house mankind in peace. America speaks from strength. Strength in good allies, in arms, in readiness, in ever-increasing productivity, in the broader sharing of the abundant fruits of our economy, in our unchanging devotion to liberty and to human justice. Her voice is for peace based upon decency and right. But let no man think that we want peace at any price, that we shall forsake principle and resigned tolerance of evident evil, or that we may pawn our honor for transitory concession. Heck of a sentence there, folks. But let no man think that we want peace at any price. Chesty Puller, one of our great generals in the Marine Corps, made a statement that there were worse things than death. And uh, and peace at any price, when that price is evil, it's way up there, that we shall forsake principle and resigned tolerance, that we'll go ahead and throw away our principles and just resign ourselves. Well, our, our fellow citizens, you know, they're just going to keep following evil and we're just going to have to uh, let them. Or that we may pawn our honor for transitory concession. Well, those that follow evil offer some little, okay, well, we won't do this this time. And we get all excited about it. And then the pendulum, pendulum swings just a little bit farther the next time. If there's no real change, folks, 
then it doesn't matter. That's not the way I wanted to say that, but that's the best I can say right now. If you don't see real change in people, it doesn't matter what they say. Then there's not really been a change of heart. At this Christmas season, America speaks to in humble gratitude for the friendship of peaceful peoples across the world. Without their warm confidence and faithful partnership, this earth would be a bleak ground of aimless and endless clash and conflict. And America joins with all believers of every faith in a prayer of thanks and a plea that whatever lies ahead, we may be strong and courageous and wise in the doing of our own task in accord with this, the divine will. To all the dwellers of earth, I speak for this republic and directly from the heart of every one of its citizens when I say that this nation prays for you, all of you, the fullness of this Christmas spirit, peace and goodwill. And now, please permit me a personal note. My wife and I wish to all of you here and to all peoples everywhere a very Merry Christmas. As I light the nation's Christmas tree, God rest you. Let nothing you dismay. And now, good night, and again, Merry Christmas. And I ran over anyway, folks. Sorry. As we get closer, as we get closer, God bless y'all. Lord, thank you for this time to do the podcast and for the people that listen, the people that share it. Guide us all as individuals back to you and your son, Jesus Christ. Give us peace, Lord. Give us hope. Give us the light of your son and chase the darkness away and the fear. In your son's name we pray, amen. God bless y'all, folks. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.